Good morning. Once again, I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, <clears throat> as for those of you who have been with us for the last few weeks, we are in a sermon series called God's Reasons Why. And um, as we continue in our sermon series, God's Reasons Why, one of the new catchy uh, mission and vision items for churches, including ours that we started 14 years ago and planted, is a vision something like this, right? We are a church for the city, right? That's, that's the catchy phrase to make you think, this is a church that's responsible. I want to be a part of this church, even if they're 40 miles away from any kind of city, right? Or we believe in impacting or transforming the city. We, we come to make a difference in urban Charlotte or whatever. It has become a trendy thing to be about making a difference in the city. And now the new hot term is marketplace leaders, right? Where the new mission is to affect change in the city by going after and engaging and sending and seeking people after to engage people out in the corporate workplace, primarily the white-collar, high-rise, uptown, governmental mover and shakers world, to change the city possibly from the top or middle down. Well, that sort of vision and mission is very authentic hmm. and true to what the Lord seemed to be doing in his three-year ministry in the Semitic Middle East. Because Jesus not only preached in the countryside and to the poor, and though he was always among and for the poor, the Bible tells us the Son of Man didn't even have a house to lay his own head in. He did go to the center cities in city centers and sought to engage those who were central not only to the city or town's prosperity, but also those who were huge contributors to its oppression and poverty. In Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus, we will see how Jesus changed individual lives. Uh, individual life, but how changing our individual lives like he does Zacchaeus brings dramatic redemption and restoration for a whole city, a whole community. There are two things I want us to see in God's reasons why Zacchaeus today. First, that Jesus seeks out chief sinners. And secondly, Jesus saves chief sinners. He seeks sinners and saves chief sinners. So in our passage, we see Jesus coming into the city of Jericho. And Jericho, sitting right by a river, was a major passageway city between two parts of the country. And like our own cities, uh, as you can imagine, on a boundary, it was a major place for sales and custom taxes and tolls of all sorts. And by this time in Jewish history, a number of Jews had joined the ranks of the local government under the Roman Empire, and it was these Jewish government folk collecting taxes and getting rich from their own people, right, for an oppressive and morally corrupt Roman government who were the sellouts of their day. In fact, our passage says that Zacchaeus was not, only ordin not any ordinary tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. And then if you look down in verse 8, he admits to cheating people. Now, being the chief tax collector meant that he had a network of people working for him, right? 
of which he was on top of and got rich from his oppressed and he got rich from his oppressed and impoverished and broken community. He was more than a chief tax collector. He was a chief sinner. Chief because he caused others to sin and be damaged by his sinful acts in a broad and broad and systematic ways. If you ever wondered what the man was, right? Or sellout man was, the guy who is behind the systematic issues of a city and then takes his power to take advantage of his own people, Zacchaeus is who you're talking about. And so the religiously, religious, socially conscious folks cut off people like Zacchaeus. Cut off as the worst of sinners, right? And this disdain for, disdain for these, as they called them, publicans, right? Those working for the man against their own people. Effectively, again, cut these people, Zacchaeus, off from spiritual, religious, and community life. They were excommunicated from their people, as maybe they should be, right? But Jesus came with a different sort of agenda, he did not come to ignore or just crush these people. He came to also seek them. Look at verses 1 through 5 with me again. It says, He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Or Zacchaeus. I'm going to say Zacchaeus because it's easier today. He was, I may go back and forth. Who knows? But don't be confused. It's, it's just right there where it's written, okay? He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who, was, who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. Now, this passage is filled with all kind of literary things, tricks here, right? One of which is to have Zacchaeus not be able to see Jesus, which means, you know, in turn, what it's trying to say is he's literally hidden, cut off by the crowd from the city of God, right? It is almost like he can't see his way to goodness even. He has fallen short of the glory of God. And so he climbs a tree because he is too short. Isn't it amazing how God sets up the people's lives in the way they are to make a point biblically, right, theologically for us? And so he climbs a tree because he's too short. And what is also interesting about this is, is that when we think about the ministry of Jesus, you would think that Zacchaeus would be the last person, not only seeking to see Jesus or have Jesus see him, but he should be the last person with all of his riches that Jesus needs to see, needs to see. I'm sure there are a number of homeless and sick and hungry people. Forget short, little, rich, hated Zacchaeus, right? He don't need Jesus. But look at what happens in verses 4, 5. Once again. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house tonight or today. The Bible says that Jesus was expected to what? Pass that way. Y'all see that? 
Zacchaeus was an observer of the Jesus parade and just wanted to get a nice seat. Most of us want to get a seat under the shade of the tree. Zacchaeus, being short, needed the limbs of the tree to get a good seat. But though he thought, Je- but he thought Jesus was just going to pass the way or that way. But verse 5 says Jesus came to that place, right, and looked up and called Zacchaeus by name. Now, they never met, apparently. And so for things to be written the way they are in this passage, it means Jesus came that way not to pass by Zacchaeus, but to see him. More than that, to meet him, to engage him. Jesus came through Jericho to seek and meet not just a dude who climbed a tree and looked funny up there or who proved to be a fan of Jesus, but because Jesus came seeking a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief sinner. So easy to miss the drama of this passage. Verse 5 says again that Jesus stopped and looked up and called him by name. Jesus sees chief sinners, and he knows them by name. And to even bring it deeper, look at what the crowds call Zacchaeus in verse 7, a man who is a sinner. This is significant because there have been times in the Bible where the crowd would say, if Jesus knew who this was, or he don't know who he's talking to, poor baby, he's confused, right? No, Jesus knows exactly who he's dealing with, and it's no mistake. And to heighten the drama here, look at what Jesus says to him after calling him by name, right? In verse 6, so he hurried and and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, the crowd in verse 6 saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone and to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my gifts, I I went too far. Okay, I was supposed to stop at verse 7. He has gone and to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Let's stop right there. So Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' home. This is not bad manners. This is divine mission. Jesus was like, guess what? I'm coming over, and I'm coming in. Zacchaeus, you don't have a lot of time to fake it or clean up or push things under the rug. I already know who you are, so this is not a game. I am not confused about how bad you are. In fact, I completely know you, thus calling you by name, and I know what and who I am getting into and where am I going, where I am going. So here I come because you are why I came here. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I have been sent by God for you. Zacchaeus, a chief sinner in the community, I have been sent to go to where you are, to where you live, to what you are all about, to, 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 to go not only where you're living, but in going where you're living, how you're living all up in your personal stuff, all up into the place you built from corrupt and oppressive gain from the community. Like Zacchaeus, for chiefs who in this case, in this case, chief sinners, those in positions of authority. And that may be many of you in here who are in positions of authority, or you may think of someone in your mind who is a chief in one way, or a yes could be, it could be a mother or a father, right? That's a chief authority position, a teacher, a principal. 
Someone whose actions affect the climate of their country and city and community and organization and family and church. Jesus seeks and has an eye out for people just like you, just like that, and goes to where they are, to what they're doing and how they're doing. He's interested in it. He isn't going to pass chief people, chief sinners by, folks who you think have it together and who are rich and doing okay, who you think beat the system, and he is not passing over those who we typically bash on Facebook and Twitter, the faceless people, the man or the system or the privileged. The scripture talks about how he calls and holds people in charge who are in authority in communities and cities and families, how he holds them accountable. He is on a one-way mission for them. And they are not hidden to him. He seeks them out and sees them and knows them by name. He has a personal interest in those who, when they sin and in their sin, are chief sinners in us and among us and even over us. It is easy, I know, I do it, to think Jesus only coming or, or God only sent him for and because of the poor and disenfranchised and oppressed. Yes. But a central part of that mission are the chief sinners. <laughs> yeah. Those who cause and contribute to generational, systematic, familial, city, community brokenness and sin by their arrogance, apathy, consumerism, and straight cheating and stealing. <laughs> now the fact that Jesus sees and goes to where chief sinners are, that they are not hidden from him and his mission, and thus the church's mission may be good and bad news, right, for the chief sinner. <laughs> if I was the chief sinner and I heard Jesus came to get me, I'd be pretty scared. <laughs> I mean, throughout the Scriptures from beginning to end, if you, if you just think, you know, some people have, you know, this caricature of Jesus, and it's, it's partly true and pretty good. You know, he's kind of the, the man, he's out there, he's the one you imagine is behind the banner marching down the street. For many of you, that's who you see. Because for, it's partly true because the Scriptures from beginning and if you are a corrupt leader or just a couple chapters early in Luke, if you are rich and proud and doing okay or could care less about oppression and poverty or brokenness, Jesus makes it real clear. You know, we don't like Jesus. Especially if we smart, right, educated, privileged, right, like we got it together. We like Paul. We like Romans. We want the epistles. We want the systematic theology. We don't want the man who goes into the system. We don't want that. You know why? Because just, again, just a couple chapters early in Luke, he says that if, if you're, you know, privileged, Jesus makes it clear, real clear, rather, that privilege in chief position, folks, here it is now. This would make Jesus hard. I don't have time to preach that passage next time. Coming up. Would have a hard time getting into heaven and embracing what the gospel has to mean. Means. He says it. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm in the boat with you, too. Someone who's educated is hard. We think we got it together. We're pretty smart. We can outsmart God. And as a matter of fact, we're so systematic in our theology, we understand God so much, we don't need him that badly. Right? The Lord of the Bible also makes it clear throughout Scripture that he comes to crush, destroy. I'm using terms the Bible uses, by the way. Knock the teeth out, right? Chain up, break the legs, not let them into heaven. Plain out judge those who are oppressors, those who are like Zacchaeus. 
In fact, again, two chapters earlier, as he's speaking to a rich young ruler, he says that it will take a miracle for a rich man to get into heaven. And we know why. Because in the flesh, I'm talking about just in the natural thinking, many folks who are chief and rich feel safe and secure and don't crowd out people like Jesus for him to touch them because they don't need him. Sometimes, y'all, I'm so smart, I don't need Jesus certain days because I'm doing good all by myself. Now, I don't need to talk about y'all. I can talk about me. Man, I, I went to seminary, y'all. I know the Greek, the Hebrew, right? I'm ordained in the PCA. That's a hard place to be ordained, trust me. I'm just bragging a little bit. Tom, no, amen. Amari, amen. You don't, you don't slide up in here. You don't get that thing online. You don't do it. You don't get up here because your uncle's the pastor, your daddy, and blah, blah, blah. No, man, you go in a room full of guys who don't know nothing about you, and they want to know more about you. They got to ask you what you really believe, and if you don't know what you believe, you ain't going to know what reverend is, right? But sometimes it requires, no, not sometimes, it requires a miracle for privilege, rich, heady, white-collar even, people to see their need for Christ. I grew up in the suburbs, y'all. Don't let it... Come on. I know y'all looking at the black man. He's from Urban Trail. What's his story? My story is both my parents have master degrees and we grew up in the suburbs. Yep. Station where I got the wood on the side and dog. Yes. Everything. <laughs> Cul-de-sac. I had a single address single-digit address, 9 Trichelle Lane, all right? Not 12244 and a half B, all right? I didn't come from the hood. Kelly explained it, so I'm not from the hood. I'm from the neighborhood, okay? I moved into the hood, right, as an experiment. It worked because I pastored. Okay, we're moving on. I, that's not written. I, I don't want to take a long time to do it because... The new members took so long today. And so when Jesus, <laughs> the Bible says, and so when Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and calls him by name, there was a good chance then, especially after what he had said a couple chapters over that he would have said to Zacchaeus, guess what? You are a no good sellout, God-hated scoundrel. You are the chief and worst of sinners, and I hope you fall out of that tree on your head. Now, y'all tweet that, right? Jesus gave it to the man, to the one troubling y'all. And guess what? He would have been in his right to say it and do all of that. And then the people, the religious, the socially conscious crowd would have cheered Jesus. He would have had five houses to eat at that day. But by inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house, it appears that Jesus is doing something very opposite to the grassroots movement. Grassroots movement. Y'all ready? He, in essence, looks over and past a crowd of people who look like they need him and looks up above the crowd, y'all, and says, this rich, privileged scoundrel's life matters. Whoa. No, Jesus is what I'm reading. Now, get this, Jesus, just for an instant, the crowd, the Bible says the crowd grumbles. Jesus becomes a sellout in that moment to the people. Power to the people. No, he says privileged scoundrels' lives matter. 
He's a satellite in the moment to those who loved and had the most hope in him, the religious folk. Hey, this is the new teacher in town. He, 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 you know he hates these sinners. He's going to deal them. He's going to let them know the truth. Come on, Jesus. Jericho's having a hard time. And he comes in and says, Zacchaeus, I like you. Jesus took an invite to the White House. He didn't kneel during the national anthem. Or he didn't take the invite and he did kneel regardless of what side you're on. Jesus, who and what are you for, man? You confuse me. In this case, he shows that he was for a chief sinner in the community. And look what happens in verse 6 and 7 again. Um, it says here, so he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. That's Zacchaeus. And when they saw it, the crowd, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. When I read this, I'm not sure whether the crowd is mad because Jesus is going to the house of someone who is evil, or, and so he's acting friendly to public enemy number one, or because Zacchaeus is joyful and welcomes Jesus. They don't like to see him happy. We were hoping, you know, to, 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 to put something around his house. You know, we, we wanted him to suffer in loneliness. And here comes Jesus. You broke it, man. We, we had days where we were hanging with that brother. Because this was big for Zacchaeus, y'all. He lets Jesus, a holy man, into his house joyfully and not afraid. What's going on? Let me tell you about the mission of Jesus to whoever and wherever. When he wants you, he gets you. Let me tell you all this. It's pretty clear from this text. By the time he looked up and called Zacchaeus, his life was already open and belonged to Jesus. The Bible says he came down and welcomed Jesus. How? Joyfully. I have alluded to it before, but this thing between Jesus and Zacchaeus was not an accident. This was a divine appointment. Zacchaeus was already in the way that Jesus was going because God put Zacchaeus there physically and spiritually. He was not at the office that day. He was on the street in a tree where Jesus was coming by. When we talk about mission, Jesus' mission, the church's mission, there is a divine appointment out there for you and me and the world with Jesus, either now or later, but the Lord has crossed the world's chief sinner's path to that of his in this world to meet him, not only as in many cases to be confronted and judged and condemned as evil and wrong, but in this case, among others, with joyful hope and welcome and mission of being saved and redeemed and changed and repenting. we look back at this text, again, all kind of literary devices here. Jesus was not asking to come to Zacchaeus' house to get off the street, y'all, <laughs> or find a nice house for him and his disciples to hang out with. Zacchaeus probably had the best one in the community. This is about Jesus inviting himself into Zacchaeus' heart. The parallel to his house is his heart. Jesus invited himself, invited himself, right, into Zacchaeus' life, broken, sordid, sin-marred, hated by others, stealing, selfish, short on good, like his size, right, life. So when Jesus says salvation has come to this house, he is saying that eternal life, heart change, life change, like last week, being born again has come into Zacchaeus' life and world, and he and it are not the same. 
This isn't Zacchaeus declaring it. It is Jesus saying it. So it is. A miracle has happened, y'all. A man whose house and life were cut off and stuck in, let's call it Centerville, right? In fact, he was one of the mayors of Centerville. As a chief sinner, he has been brought back into the God-acceptable neighborhood, into the heavenly kingdom. But it also means that it's changed. Zacchaeus, who was cut off from his people, probably still going to work at the tax office. It doesn't say he quit his job, did it? Didn't say he quit and then joined Jesus. It's one of the disciples. Jesus didn't want that. But Jesus saying this Jewish tax collector now. Let me read it. He says, so Zacchaeus stood up and says he's going to give half his goods to the poor and he's going to give four times what he's defrauded people. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. No, Jesus say. This Jewish tax collector should be treated and accepted as, as how, he, how Jesus says, as a son of Abraham. You know what that means? For all of you in this Jewish community that cut him off because he was a sinner before I came, he should now be accepted as a trusted, contributing member of the community and not like a sinner. You know why? Jesus became a, because Jesus became a self-invited, joyfully accepted guest of a chief sinner. And when Jesus comes into your heart, into your messy, can't seem know, to know how to get right, built in all kinds of evil, don't know where to go politically or socially, economic life, it changes everything about everything you have and everything a chief sinner is and isn't. Let me level with y'all. This is hard because this declaration isn't for Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, right? Who do you think Jesus is really talking to? This is hard for those around someone who has come to Jesus who we know has been a chief sinner. <laughs> let, let me take it further because this speaks to some prejudice in a different kind of way, Right? It's hard to be around chiefs in a society or city or who is in a class or profession or neighborhood or who happen to be in a certain gender or role or skin color or political party of one whom you would think as would be the chief sinners of your community or world. Who looks like, just looks like, and feels like an oppressor. Y'all marinate on that a little bit. Because I know a lot of people in our church, we're concerned about the, 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 the poor and the oppressed of the city, and we should be. The data on Charlotte is crazy. But if they have been reached and received by Jesus, they are believers, regardless of where they are politically. <laughs> Now, I'm going to get to something in a minute here. Regardless of where they live or whether there's gates around their community, do y'all hear me? He said salvation has come to the house of this man who was once a scoundrel, a privileged oppressor. 
They are believers then if Jesus comes, and due to them is the full declaration and acceptance of God's love and place and peace and hope. Their house, everything they are about is now under the lordship of Jesus. You know, okay, we're a different kind of church, so I'm just going to go ahead and level a little bit more. There are those of us, darker-hued brothers and sisters, Who believe and still believe, lighter-hued brothers and sisters, could not really be saved, and if saved, not trusted, even when we go to church with them, because they have that skin. And sometimes to go with it, place and space and economic privilege that often came from and has the fumes of an oppressive history fueled by racial and class history struggle. Jesus comes to break into their lives, but guess what? Into the lives of those who have been oppressed by them too, by saving them. The declaration Jesus made in verses 9 and 10 of Zacchaeus, he was saying to those who would doubt that chief sinners could ever be saved and loved and used by God, and it doesn't have to be a race thing only. It could be a male thing, all men are bad, or a rich people thing, whatever, whoever has been and is a chief sinner in your life at some point, once they are Jesus, we are to receive and accept them and urge them into the community of faith as fellow sinners saved by grace through God's divine appointment where there are all kinds that Jesus decides to invite himself into into their lives. When Jesus comes into someone's life, here's the difficult part, repentance flows out. Look at verse 8 again. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, he's talking to Jesus, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Pastor Amari, we were looking for pictures. This is the picture I picked right here of Zacchaeus. It's a pretty good pick, Pastor. Okay, anyway, so, you know, I kind of got some artistic stuff. If y'all think it's bad or wrong, come and help by picking some pictures for these sermons. Okay. But Amari showed me, he was trying to show me a picture, and it was a great picture. In a sermon title that that picture went, to, went with about Zacchaeus, it was something like, a rich man gets woke, Right? I don't think that sums it up. Zacchaeus, a chief of sinners, was dead in sin and systematic oppressive to the community sin, ignorant, ap- apathetic, justifying his way of living, right? And Jesus came in and brought a new life, and Zacchaeus got woke, which means his eyes were open for the first time by the power and presence of Jesus in his life, and he saw the poor and those who were cheated as his new responsibility, His response to that new heart, the acts of repentance, was restoration and reparation. hate to use that second word, but it is biblical. In fact, he went above and beyond what Jewish law required for him to be right in the eyes of people, which should tell us that when Jesus comes into our lives, we are not seeking to please people with our repentance and outward shows of repentance and guilt-driven reparations, but this was about repentance about being joyful about the Lord coming into your life, Jesus comes in. Y'all hear me now? Jesus comes in, and the blessings of repentance come out. They do right because they've been made right by Jesus' love for them. 
And many might have wondered whether Jesus had overlooked the poor and oppressed and chiefly sinned against people as he entered Jericho that day and got it in with Zacchaeus. No, through repentance, y'all. Do you see how the story is going? Through his saving work in Zacchaeus' heart, God brought restoration and reparation to a city that was shrouded in conspiracy and corruption and all kinds of sin. Jesus knows what he's doing. When Jesus saves chiefs in our community or city or family, and again, do different levels of it. I'm not just talking about the people you have in your mind. You might be one as a mother or a father, so don't, you, don't, you don't skate out on this either. He has the power to make them chief repenters. Hear me. Repairers and restorers in a community and city and family. Let me say this and be careful. If you are sinning against those under your care or under you and your privilege, if you are ignorant and apathetic and justifying whatever you're doing evil in this city, if you are in chief places culturally, economically, socially, and are not flowing with grace-driven repentance and reparation and restoration, using and letting Jesus use and be the fountainhead where Jesus' love flows out for others, for your household, and all that you do in your position, then you must ask, is Jesus living here? Has he been joyfully accepted and invited? This is a hard one, y'all. Because the world looks at a very affluent church culture in Charlotte. Don't get me wrong, I like nice church buildings and nice stuff. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to have a Bentley to drive to church Sunday. Let that be my Sunday car. Sure, an orange one. <laughs> I'm just letting y'all know the pastoral care committee with purple rims. I'm fine. <laughs> I might be from the neighborhood, but I'm still ghetto. <laughs> you can't put 40-inch rims on a Bentley? Spinners? With the tiger head in the middle. Gangster lean all the way from Huntersville. Okay, that was, that was free. Okay, so here we go. The world must look and wonder where's the repentance and reparation and restoration that God promises. Now, here's a term Jesus used. From the sons and daughters of Abraham. Do you remember the promise he made that he gave Abraham and told Abraham? He said what? The world would be blessed. Not stolen from. Not used so you can have a platform and a kingdom. Right? Blessed. Blessed. Being a son and daughter of Abraham who blesses the world is a clear sign that Jesus is in our house. And in this house. Some of you who are privileged and in positions of privilege need to declare to your community, salvation has come. Stop condemning me for being a chief in some way and holding me and putting me in sinville. I am too part of the kingdom, even if I come rich in charge, privilege of this race living in this part of town. His declaration is yours too. Which means you must truly join in with your community. 
You can't live above it. You must become a son of Abraham too, going to church, raising your hands, needing Jesus too. Oh man, y'all have no idea. And I'm going more the mental route here because I don't think my bank account looked like Zacchaeus's right now, okay? Zacchaeus taking my money. And we're not getting there. We're going there. But sometimes the way I think, again, remember the mental part? I be thinking about what's going on because I'm rich. It, you know, wait, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, you know, I'm a mental guy. I got education, y'all. Paid for that thing too, still paying for it, right? And I be sitting back there thinking I can think my way through this thing. We have to get, put ourselves in the joy of Christ in the community. I want you to think about it, especially for you marketplace non-religious leaders. It is interesting to me, and we're, we're headed to a close here. I, I talk too much. But it's interesting to me that he did not, Jesus did not invite himself to the house of or look for the chief priest in the city. No, the Lord started a non-religious institution type to bring change and restoration and redemption to the brokenness of the city. You see, when he said Zacchaeus again was to the son of Abraham, who's saying that by the salvation brought by Jesus, Zacchaeus is not only woke to the call he originally gave Father Abraham to be blessed, but to the people around him. Jesus may let you keep being a chief, but he will demand to be your Lord and King of your house and your heart. He will not pass you in your house and your life by. He will not let it be the same after he is there. He will use it. He will use your chiefdom for his kingdom, agenda of mercy and justice in our world. That is so true in our community, Christ Central. Look, y'all, I don't, I don't have a lot of it. I don't know why, but when I look at Christ Central, I see it happening among your lives. Some of you are, I mean, many of you are involved in the community. You're thinking about ways to use your position, your privilege, your money, your calling, who you are to change the community. I am looking at a room filled with people who are called not to Jericho, but to Charlotte. And God is taking your lives and he's moved in. And now blessings can flow out in dramatic and amazing ways. Again, this story is not just about Zacchaeus, but how the Lord brought reparation and restoration to an oppressed city. Y'all, someone got a check from their version of the IRS that day. Someone's lights were about to be cut off and then Zacchaeus came. Someone's about to go to court without a lawyer and get taken and then a check from Zacchaeus came. The tax code and system that brought people down will never be the same. Because Zacchaeus came as a loving part of the community. Jesus loved Zacchaeus, chief of sinners. But Jesus loved Jericho, a city oppressed by sin. Jesus Robin Hood, right? Not Zacchaeus' money. He steals Zacchaeus' heart for God. Jesus loots his brokenness and shoots him through with God's grace because we love, because he loved Zacchaeus and he loved the city. It was ultimately Jesus' joy to see and have relationship with Zacchaeus that gave Zacchaeus a heart of joyful giving and living and being a part of his community. The issues in our cities, in our country, 
our community. This goes for many of you who are in college right now and trying to get you, you see where God's taking you, are huge. Seems like nothing will ever change. Let me say this. Before we hear about another task force or another ministry in and for the city or another nonprofit organization that's going to change everything, I must ask you, have you heard and seen and known the voice of the Lord calling your name? Because when he calls his name, your name, he calls the city. Do you see and know how he loves and loves chief sinners like you and me? When and because he loves us, he loves this city. The city is changed when you and I seek and are sought and we are saved by Jesus. You who are Zacchaeus's for God's reasons why. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, work in the hearts of your people. Use them, Lord. Those of us with access, with privilege, with degrees and all that kind of stuff. Those who are teachers, principals, Lord, moms at home over their kids, fathers at home over their kids, Lord, people driving up and down the highway, taking people places, little people places, lessons and soccer and all kind of stuff. Lord, for people at high school and middle school who have friends, who are in the smart class or, or maybe good in sports or, or, or maybe just nice people, Lord. For all the people you've sent out in the world as chiefs who were once chief sinners that God saved, use this congregation to glorify you first of all and joyfully give you praise and welcome you in. Help these folk to join together in a community of faith that loves you and trusts you, Lord. But finally, Lord, seek and save their hearts from this world to redeem this world. Help us, Lord, to seek out our friends and our neighbors and, and those around us, Lord, as we see this is your mission, this is your call. The person at work, the person at the grocery store, the person all around, Lord, all the Zacchaeuses in the world who are just thinking Jesus is going to pass them by. Help us not to help us not to pass by our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and those who we think are higher than us or better than us, or who we think it, the skin color they have or the neighborhood they live in, that they don't need Christ. Help us not to pass them by because you did not. Change this community. Remove our prejudices. It's so difficult, but remove our prejudices against people groups that we think because they're in this political thing or they live in this part of the city or they're in this tax bracket, Lord, or because their people once did this or that, Lord, that they can't be a part of the community of faith. Help us repent for that. Help us to declare to them what you've already declared. They, they are sons and daughters of God because of Christ and brothers and sisters as a result. 
Help us to do that and believe that. Break down the walls of hostility, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.